Are you ready to make 2017 the year you transform your life? You can wait for something to happen, or you're actually going to decide to go, go home after this weekend to do something about that. We all know that we have a very, very limited amount of time on this earth. So let's not have repeated years. Live your own life. Make the choice, make the decision for your own life. Fear is where you develop courage. There's a moment going, holy crap, all right, I'm gonna do this now. The Wellness Breakthrough is coming. And so you actually have that choice every single morning, every single day, every single moment to decide whether you're gonna live it to the fullest or not. Join myself, Marcus Pierce, and the Wellness Guys, Damien Christoph, Lawrence Tam, and Brett Hill for two nights and three days of transformation at the Country Place. Ten acres of breathtaking rainforest in the Dandenong Ranges of Victoria, February 17th to 19th. It's each and every single one of you are going to support each other in your journey, whatever that journey is. Couples discounts available, limited spots remaining for all information and to watch the spine-chilling video, go to thewellnessbreakthrough.com. Thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. This is Up For A Chat with Cindy O'Mara, Karen Smith and Kim Morrison. Here we are, up for a chat about the hottest topics that are important to you, inspiring you to awaken the change within. I'm Karen Smith. I'm Kim Morrison. And I'm Cindy O'Meara. And I'm super excited because this week we're continuing where we left off from last week on the 13 things that mentally strong people don't do. The fabulous article that Cindy's introduced us to has opened up the most amazeballs conversations. (laughs) Jeepers creepers, how cool. It yeah. has been. So, yeah, and I'd also yeah. say to people if they haven't listened to last week's, go back and listen to that one first before you listen to this one. <laughs> and you know what I found really interesting is as soon as we finished um, up last week's, we just continued the conversation. <laughs> it, it, it didn't stop. We just continued through that conversation. So um, let's um, let's continue with number six then. And um, but, but maybe a review just quickly. So the review was um, we did one to five last week and that was number one was that um, me- mentally strong people don't waste time feeling sorry for themselves, don't give away their power, don't shy away from change, don't waste energy on things they can't control. Now that was a beauty, Karen, I've got to admit. Um, loved where you went with that one. I had you at you know where. Um, <laughs> And they don't worry about pleasing everyone. Um, And that was really interesting too and and doing an action step on that um, that we, I asked you, can you give me an action step on how how do we do that after you explained it? So I really appreciated that and and I got real clarity around that one. Um, And so our next one is they don't fear taking calculated risks. So not crazy risks, but calculated risks. They don't take reckless or foolish risks, but they don't mind taking calculated risks. Mentally strong people spend time weighing the risks and benefits before making a big decision, and they're fully informed of the potential downsides before they take action. 
And I find uh, if we don't take a risk and if we don't do something, um, then we're going to continue to do what we're doing and stay within a framework of our lives that, and never exit out of it. And I remember a very good friend of Kim's and mine, Ogilvy, O-T, said to me one day, I, I wanted to swim between Malulaba and Alexander Headland. And I love that swim. It's with, you know, there's usually about 60 of us that do it. It's around uh, 2.5K, 3K return. And I remember getting in the water at Malulabar and I was able to get in the water at Malulabar. And I, I, I was happy until I got to about, I think, 400 metres towards Alex and I looked at o- o- Ogilvy and I said, I can't do this, Ogilvy. I'm really scared. The waves are getting bigger. If they were big at Malulabar and I could barely get out, I'm never going to get in at Alexander Headland. It's too, it's too big. I just I want to swim back. And I, I, lo- I loved what Ogilvy said to me. He said, I've got your back, Cindy. I'm not leaving you. I will stay with you and I will guide you in. And the whole swim, my, my and I kept going, and my whole swim I kept thinking, oh, how am I going to do this? I'm just not sure I can do this. I'm not, you know, and I could have turned back and could have gone home, gone back to Malulabar and swam out. So anyway, Ogilvy, true to his word, he looked after me. He's a surf lifesaver. He's an emergency care doctor. I knew I was in good hands. <laughs> That's so, a calculated um, risk. I, I would have done that with him too. <laughs> I calculated risk. You know, it was a calculated risk. And I, I did it uh, even though I had fear and I did have fear um, and I did it and I got out of the water and he hugged me and he said to me, I'd rather see somebody do something that gives them a bit of that gives them that fear than not to tackle it at all. Well done, Cindy. And I thought it really was brought home to me that I will tackle things that I fear, but I also am very calculated because if he wasn't with me, I probably would have turned around and gone back. If somebody had, you know, I would not. I don't know if I could have done that by myself. So I just thought I'd give an example of you know feel the fear and do it anyway but make sure that you don't put your life at risk or put everything that you have on the line at risk Um, I think it's important that you understand the potential downside which I could have drowned but then I had the emergency doctor to revive me (laughs) yeah but I think also too him just those words I just want to bring that up even those words I've got your back those words mean so much to people you know I've said that to Jacob going into principal meetings. (laughs) I've said that to my daughter when she's going for her license. You know, those words, I've got your back, or even your team members, the girls that work with me and the guys that work with me, I want them to always know I've got their back. And that means through good times and not such good times. And I think him saying that and then with the knowledge and knowing and trusting and believing in him that um, he would, be the perfect person, although I will say this to you, Cindy, having seen you in a flap, having seen you go off and absolutely lose your shizzle, I'm wondering whether you would have caused you both to drown had you panicked. I'm just I'm just putting it out there. I think he took a more calculated risk than you. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. But you know what, if, I, if I'd gone into a flap in that situation... Um, that's dangerous. Mm. I go into a flap when it's a mental flap. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I've seen you flap over your kids. Yeah, no, no. I wouldn't call that mental. That, that's mental. <laughs> but that's mental flap. That is, 
um, that is not I'm in that situation. I'm actually being told a situation and I'm in a, I'm in a mental um, fear. I'm in mental fear. That's what it is. Mm. I, I, beg, I beg to challenge you on that one as you watched your children throwing up with alcohol. I, I'm just going to challenge you on that because you were right there then too and you did flap both times, mentally, physically, emotionally and spiritually. And I think okay. even expletives oh, came out. She's all over you, Sue. <laughs> she's all over you. She needs a Break right, Viper, break right. When it comes to my kids, I'm a flapper. <laughs> I just needed to hear it. I just needed you to own it because that that's really powerful I'm really with you because you know what I'm exactly the same <laughs> I'm hearing you it's scary it's scary when it's, when it's children but I, I think if I had done that I, I would have um, put my own, own life at risk as well as um, OT's although OT probably would have knocked me out <laughs> I know him. yeah he probably would <laughs> do you know I think he's I always want- I want to bring back to, and this probably links back into all the other five that we've spoken about last week, but, you know, we've taken calculated risks financially and we thought we did all our research and all our homework and it still failed miserably. And I then go into, whilst we had a couple of days of feeling incredibly sorry for ourselves and incredibly upset and why us and it's not fair and the blame game and below the line and we did go there, I will be honest, I think a few bottles of wine might have even been consumed at the same time. (laughs) But then I look back at it when I think about it with your perspective, Karen, and all the things that we've talked in previously to this, that there was also a reason for that happening as well, looking back, and there was a chance for us to delve and a chance for us to reprogram and a chance for us to really examine our reaction and response to that. And and I really love and I've always tried to hold on to this. I don't say I do it very well all the time, but it's about how do I act rather than react. And sometimes in those situations, it's very hard to take the emotions out of it. As you say, when emotions are high, intelligence is low. You know, we it's very difficult sometimes to be pragmatic and, and esoteric and spiritual and aware. But even that is a lesson, isn't it, Karen? And, and the way you talk about then looking at that as an example for challenge and learning. What, what would you say to people that in the moment, like perhaps it's a calculated risk who they're going to spend New Year's with or, <laughs> or, um, <laughs> or Christmas Day, Christmas Day or, um, you know, like any of those sorts of things. I mean, really, ultimately what you're saying, the answer to all of these, what strong people do is it's almost like you take every one of them, Karen, you've taken us to a 50,000 viewpoint, not in a human point, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think, um, you, you know, I think it, it's really more of a, it's more about the language actually. You know, as soon as we put the word risk in there, calculated risk, people start there's a perception of what risk is. I actually don't think that there is such a thing as a calculated risk. I really just think that there's a um, there's an opening to jump into or not. And either way, there's going to be more and more experiences come whether a person jumps into the opening or they don't jump into the opening. And at the end of the day, if a person is taking, you know, like a calculated risk in inverted commas, if a person is doing that, they're just jumping in. And they're going for whatever is on the other side of it. And if a person doesn't, then they're staying in a safe position. They're staying in a safer place. And I think that there's 
a necessity for both experiences. So there are some times where a person does need to be in a, a place of safety just because they're resting, or there's a place, there's a time and a place in a person's life when jumping into those openings or opportunities or whatever's there, jumping into it feels like the most natural thing to do. Um, but either way, it puts a person into a place of, um, well, not either way really. I think if a person does jump into that opportunity and that opening, there's an unpredictability about it. And, and that's where we were talking about last week about challenge and opportunity where a person is opened up to new expansive ways of being and learning new tools and, and discovering new stuff about themselves and new stuff about the world and all that sort of stuff. So if a person takes that opportunity, awesome. If a person doesn't take that opportunity, will it present itself again? Absolutely. No doubt about it. So it's not about actually the, the risk, it's about the expansion. So it's going to come wrapped in a different package and it's going to come again and the invitation to expand will be will present itself again. You know, it doesn't matter when. It could be a week later, a month later, a year later, 10 years later. But the opportunity to expand will be presented again in a different package. So I just look at those things. It's not a calculated risk. It's an opportunity to expand. And if you take it, you take it, and there will be consequences and experiences that come from it. And if you don't, there will be consequences and experiences that come from it. Either way, we're going to survive, and either way, we're going to land up in a box. I love it. So, yeah, it's just, it's, it's just, it's just experiences. It's our perception of what that experience is. And as soon as we say the word risk, man, it puts the cat amongst the pigeons for all of us. So let's take the word, the language of the word risk. Let's just get that, get rid of that. And then we're able to see clearly, is that something that I want to do for myself right now? Like, you know, I'm staring down the barrel of a partnership right now and I'm looking at it going, is that something that I want to do for myself right now or not? And if I fall out of the sky and I put the partnership in front of me, the answer is absolutely yes. But if I reference the past and look at all the things that have happened in the past, then all of a sudden it becomes a massive risk for me. Now, if I can take that word away and I can just look at, at what's in front of me and I know either way it's going to create experiences for me. If I don't take it on, there's going to be a whole world of experiences. If I do take it on, there's going to be a whole world of experiences. Which experiences are going to force me to expand at an accelerated rate? Taking the opportunity. And I'm all for that. I want an accelerated journey here. So I'm all for it. But if I'm referencing the past, then all of a sudden it becomes a risk. And then I become worried about the future and then it's something that I'm too scared to take action on. And, uh, you know, I don't think that's living. That's just my view. There we go. Hmm. I agree. I, I've just been looking up the etymology of risk. I thought it might be really interesting. Um, so I'm on, you know, the usual pace, Wikipedia. And from earlier risk, from Middle French, from Italian, to run into danger. Most dictionaries consider the etymology of this term uncertain, but some suggest that perhaps it comes from uh, cut, rock or crag, <laughs> risicum or something. Um, cut off, loose, loose, curtail, it could mean, um, in the sense of that which is of danger. Uh, the ancient Greeks, I don't know what they called it, a, 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 they think the root word was radical. Yeah, interesting. It's um, to run into danger is is probably isn't that but, amazing? But then again, yeah. but then again, Cindy, that brings us back to the perception because what yeah. was danger back then and what's danger now? The two different things, isn't exactly. it? Exactly, exactly. 
because I never think of risk as any of those words. I think of it a little bit like what you were saying. You know, I know I changed the terminology and maybe it's its etymology that creates it to be a word that people think is a danger. Mm. When in actual fact, it could be an opportunity. So, yeah, just a little, little, just mm. a little, you know, little English um, root. Um, what, what did I used to do? I used to do the study of words and they always went to etymology and it was always intrigued me, the etymology of some words and how some people see the word risk versus how other people see the word risks or yeah. other words. Yeah. And again, then that comes back to perception and it comes back to our conditioning as to what risk has meant in our families, like with our parents, what risk has meant with in society. You know, it's everybody, if everybody has a different perception of risk, then everybody's perception of risk is not a truth because it's all been made up based on our backgrounds and our upbringings and what's been handed down from generation to generation. So in actual fact, what you've done there, Cindy, is you've gone back to the very root meaning of what risk was and it probably doesn't apply to should I take on a partnership. It's not really, it doesn't really apply, does it? No. Because then you're talking about danger. So then what is danger? Do you want me to look the root word up on that one too? <laughs> okay, well, why not? I mean, we're there. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, um, you take it, like, I keep thinking about the word risk. I think about New Zealand who's just had an earthquake and do they take a risk in living in New Zealand? Is that why you left Kim? <laughs> hey, hey, listen here, you lot. There's nothing wrong with the shaky aisles, I'm telling you. But but is is there's there's a risk in any being alive is a risk. Honestly, everything we do, everything we talk about, if you want to talk about in the context of the word risk from a human uh, point of view, then then walking out into the road can be a risk. Going to the beach is a risk. I mean, you only have to hear of some of the the enormous tragedies that occur in just everyday everyday occurrences to see that everything can be seen or perceived as a risk or. I love the way Karen looks at it from a much higher perspective, which is it is what it is and trusting that we have, like it was, I can't remember which number it is, but we actually have no control anyway. So why we hold on to the control of it is is actually quite ludicrous or delusional, as you say, Kaz. Oh, man, it's a waste of energy. When you think about how much energy we've actually got and how much energy we're spending on stuff that is just so irrelevant, not true, not possible, you know, you say from a human point of view, I mean, there's nothing more human than what we're talking about. It's not this, you know, all of this is not even spiritual. It's, it's not that. It's actually the very basis of being human. It's the basis of actual truth. It doesn't. Re it doesn't require an esoteric uh, belief or an esoteric standpoint. It's just saying, well, actually, hang on a second. Let me put everything that I think up for question. I still might have the same conclusion, but let me just question it anyway. Let me just question what risk is. Let me question what danger really is. Let me, you know, everything that causes us a bit of grief. Let me just question it. And then all of a sudden, life becomes a very simple. And a very straightforward way of existing when we can kind of dump everything that we've perceived to be true. And, you know, like we said last week, come back to the nothing. And then in the nothing, go out and explore. Go out and explore and don't think that anything, you don't need to trust anything because everything just is occurring as it naturally should occur. 
should be occurring. So trust isn't even something that's necessary. Just be with whatever is present. Be with the self. Be with me existing in this planet. Be with me in the way that I am. Be with me in the way that I look. Be with that. Be in a state of absolute awe and acceptance and just fall out of the sky moment by moment by moment by moment. And then life doesn't require any of these great explanations. It just requires uh, like a co-creative, harmonistic, beautiful existence that's very, very simple. Hmm. Sorry. I do, I, do tend to, I, do go, I do go on. No, but it's very interesting. Good. So while you were doing that, I actually looked up um, synonyms for risk, which are hazard, eminence, menace, peril, pitfall, danger, threat, trouble. So let's go to danger. You're going to love the etymology of danger. Power, mastery, authority, oh my God. Wow. and control. Wow. And alteration. Yeah, this is, so mid-13th century, power of a lord or master, jurisdiction from Anglo-French, donger, D-A-U-N-G-E-R, old French, D-A-N-G-I-E-R, meaning power, mastery, authority, control. Interesting. Power of Would the Would you shut the front door? <laughs> Therefore, we have come to full circle that, Risk is power. Risk is um, mastery. Interesting. Oh, Cindy, mm-hmm. I tell you, <laughs> that has just made my day. That is the shiz bang right there. Mm. It is, isn't it? Because it's exactly oh. what you were saying, and you just went back to thirteenth century master, lord of lord or master, power. Yeah, amazing. And every language said it. So whether it was Latin, Anglo-French, what other languages were in there, modern French, it's all um, about change, control, authority, power and mastery. That's Mm. amazing. Wow. Bring it on. What's our next one? Oh, okay. Oh, gosh, I've got to go back to that now. 13. <laughs> oh, we're not even up to 13. Oh, my gosh, we're only up to seven. Um, they don't dwell on the past. Mentally strong people don't waste time dwelling on the past and wishing things could be different. They acknowledge their past and can say what they've learned from it. However, they don't constantly relive bad experiences or fantasize about the glory days. Instead, they live for the present and plan for the future. Well, Karen, I think um, you actually said that. You know, we dropped out of the sky, didn't we? Um, mm. And we have no idea what's happening, and we're just we just look at something in front of us, and we don't even know what it is. That's no thing. So, uh, you know, I, in my way of thinking, I see a lot of people uh, keep going on about their past. I forget. <laughs> us, us. <laughs> and like, oh, my husband will say to me. Don't you remember what that person did? And I went, no. <laughs> I just, you know, I just, I don't worry about the past. Um, I'm not. A, that's definitely what I don't do. Is I don't dwell on the past every now and then. I go back there to remember. Um, you know, I, I, I think about my mum and my sister, but that's to remember them in a beautiful way, not to to dwell on the fact that I watched them leave this planet. Um, but I, I try not to. I try not to dwell on the past. And if I ever do, I want you two to just slap me 
<laughs> Slap me. Oh, oh, oh. Do yeah. I have permission? Do I have strong permission? I'm just checking. <laughs> I'm hilarious. I think we can learn from our past, like they yeah. say. It's it's so important, um, which is number eight, is don't make the same mistakes over and over. So learn um, from that. But it's just the dwelling. And a lot of people do dwell in the glory days or the bad days or it was because of this is the way I am right now. Uh, so I see everything very practically. I can hardly wait to hear you two go down the rabbit hole on this one. Do first, Kimmy. <laughs> Well, look, you're asking the wrong person because sometimes I have made the same mistake over and over. And, you know, especially being a mum, I'm sure my kids would pick you up on every single thing I do over and over and over again wrong. But I think more importantly, it's sometimes I think the challenge for me is if the mistakes or the thing does keep occurring, what the hell am I doing or what haven't I woken up to in order for it to change? And, and I think you've taught me this really you two is that the universe or whatever you want to call it will keep providing you the opportunity to learn unless you choose not to and then it's going to happen again and then it's going to happen again and it's almost like that horrible thing when people look for the evidence to prove that their world sucks or their life keeps sucking and or they don't they're not good with money so therefore things occur where they're not good with money or relationships are always bad and and therefore what happens their next relationship is bad and I think again it comes back to all the others is trying to have a little turnaround viewpoint or you know why has this happened and why did that happen and how come I did this and why did I behave in that way and and I, I have to be honest with you, since, you know, doing these podcasts for the last three years with you girls has really given me some real strong insights into my own behavior, into why I do things and why now I don't do things. So for me, yeah, I, I would like to think that I don't make the same mistakes twice. Sometimes it comes packaged differently and I get an aha that it's, it's actually the same thing and I've done it again. But sometimes that's just a bad default or habit that I've got into that I think is, is normal. But again, when you take yourself out of what is normal into realizing that nothing is actually normal, um, then you can give yourself another perspective and another opportunity to learn from that again. Otherwise, it's back to what you said, Karen. You know, what's the point of it happening? Um, there, there is there is absolutely no comprehension of understanding unless we actually look for the reason why these things occur or how we can improve on ourselves. So. I have to be honest with you, I, I, I'm not perfect at this one, but I also realize even that and it's imperfection is perfect. So I, I don't know, I, I think making mistakes is sometimes just an opportunity for growth written as a mistake or worded as a mistake. Look that word up, Cindy. Um, and, and really, it's just another opportunity for learning, maybe. I'm looking it up now, looking it up now. You, you can keep talking while I'm looking it up. I was waiting for Kaz to come in with her deep, oh. you know, unbelievable, oh. incredible ability to just dissect <laughs> it and just give it to us in another whole framework. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, it says here, and, and guys, I do apologise, there is a little bit of background noise where I am and I'm, I'm hoping it's not coming across too loud. Um, I just, I, I've got here on my, my article here, it says... Um, the reality is, is that we're prone to repeat the same mistakes sometimes. Learning from our mistakes requires humility and a willingness to learn for new, learn new strategies to become better. Mentally strong people don't hide their mistakes or make excuses for them. Instead, they use them as an opportunity for self-growth. And I think that that's um, 
you know, e- even that I kind of I, I'm, I'm, I'm in two minds about it and I'm so keen to hear what Cindy says about the etymology of mistake because I actually don't think that anything's a mistake. I think only something becomes a mistake when we make it that way. I'm, I much prefer to look at everything and say, well, actually it was all experiences and am I richer and stronger and did I enjoy the texture and the flavour because I had, an, I had another experience that potentially caused me to be in conflict with myself or conflict with somebody else? Well, damn hell yes, I am. I'm glad about that because I'm bigger and stronger before it, for it or I've expanded because of it or it's taught me something I didn't know before. And I think what you just said there, Kimmy, is just bang on. Everything is an opportunity for expansion. And, and like I said last week, there's one job. When you're a human being, there is one job, and that's to expand. And it just depends. If you want an accelerated life, if you want an accelerated experience here, then, man, jump in both feet for every opportunity to do what, what the rest of society would call a mistake. Both feet. Go nuts. Because at the end of the day, you're either going to have an expanded experience where you're learning and life is full of different colours and textures, or you're going to have an experience of life where it's bland, it's, you know, like there's there's no no growth, no nothing for you. <laughs> but really, I mean, what's the point of being here then? The point of being here is to really be milking life for all that it has to offer on a moment-by-moment basis. So no matter what's happening, whether it's $9 in your bank account, you know, we can be on bended knee about that or we can be going, wow, there's something big for me here. What can I what can I get out of this? Like how can this teach me something? And as soon as you start asking those questions, the answers become clear. But it's almost as if we don't ask the questions. We just do the bashing up of ourselves, where in actual fact, if we can be in a state of curiosity, like we've said, if we can be in a state of curiosity, then you'll start to find the answers because it's amazing how the brain works. Neurologically, you pose the brain with the question, it will ferociously find the answer. And it might take a week or it might take a month, but it will ferociously go in pursuit of the answer and it will find it for you because the brain is this beautiful, complex piece of machinery that was designed to work for us. Um, you know, and we're kind of going into another conversation there, but the brain is designed to work for us. So when we instruct it with a question, it gets so excited because now it's actually got directed thought. It's got a direction to go in. Um, so yeah, I, I think let's not, let's not ascribe to the language of mistakes. Cindy, what have you got for us? Oh, um, really interesting. So from the 1630s, uh, used as a noun, it was unintended pregnancy mistake. (laughs) Shut up. No way. Yeah. Wow. but he's in the from the fourteenth century. It was to commit an offence. Commit an offence, like a crime. Yeah, like a crime. To commit an offence, um, or to to do in error, in error, to do wrong, um, which is what it is today. But the sixteen thirties mistake. I, I think this is what it says as a noun is unintended pregnancy, or is that a verb? I don't know. Uh, yeah, unintended pregnancy was the word and it's not telling me whether it was latin or where that came from because i've got norse i've got swedish i've got everything but that was the one that just was the doozy on me <laughs> i think what's interesting in that though is is you know it was saying that it's a crime or that it's 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 almost sounds and that sounds intentional or that i mean we know 
when we're doing something that perhaps we shouldn't be. And yet a mistake is often something that we didn't even realize is a mistake until it's being done. And so I think, I don't know, I like that word unintentional, but pregnancy doesn't quite fit with some of the mistakes I've made. But, um, but I'm, or are but they mistakes? On, Cindy, who says this, who said you've made a mistake? Mm. Because if you say you've made a mistake, then that's based on your perception because you can say it's a mistake, but I would say it's not. Mm. So then that means my perception isn't right and neither is yours because both of them, we've made them up. They're just mm. our perceptions. So is there an ultimate truth on that? And the ultimate truth on that would be, well, it's did you have an experience? Yes, I did. Did you expand as a result? Yes, I did. Or no, I didn't. But the truth is it was just an experience. So we've got to attach a meaning to that then that meaning is something that we're making up because I would have a different meaning to what you would, which then means it was never true. It was never, you know, a, it was never a mistake. Does that make sense? Oh, did yeah. I just talk around in circles then? No. no. And I'm going to go down the hole even more. So a mistake being meaning unintended pregnancy from 1630s, what, what human being is a mistake? Mm-hmm. And oh, is mis- yeah. yeah, and unintended doesn't mean you shouldn't have got pregnant. It was just unintended. We 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 didn't plan it. I get I, this is how I get it. You didn't plan it, um, but this, this is what's happened. And but look at the reality of what's happened. So now we can turn the whole thing around and see it as you don't go out to do it, but it becomes unintended. But what it does is it creates new life. Ha ha. Do you like that? Do you like how I put that? Oh, yeah. I think that's gold. Right. <laughs> I, I think we've solved that one. I really <laughs> do. Um, the book doesn't say anything. <laughs> I think we need to rewrite Dick. this book. <laughs> um, I think we could rewrite this book. So um, that was Don't Dwell on the Past. And we also, I think, answered eight, which was that they don't make the same mistake over and over. Yeah. Um, but we decided that mistakes aren't mistakes and that they are um, creators of new life unintentionally. We do it. And, oh, that's just beautiful. Oh. <laughs> it is. It's music. You can use it. Oh, that's music, Cindy. We are going to use that. Yes. Yeah. You, you know, you, when you think about it that way, you kind of go, you know, it, it's not a mistake. It's um, So, actually, I think we need to rewrite um, number eight. Mm. Yeah, I, I really do. It's like everything that we do is something that will create um, new, new life. life. Create new life. Create something new in our lives. Even you know, we can manipulate it and massage it and and have that. So everybody, you've never made a mistake in your life. You've just created new life. That's it. And there's the expansion, isn't it? Yes, I love it. It is. I actually love it because oh. it also takes away the oh, sense of being wrong. Gold. Take, it takes any perception of anything being wrong, yeah. doesn't it? It, it does. It's completely away. It, or, and yeah, yeah. Okay, we can move on to nine now. And love I think it. this is a, a really interesting one. And number nine is they don't resent other people's success. Mentally strong people can appreciate and celebrate other people's success in life. They don't grow jealous or feel cheated when others surpass them. Instead, they recognize that success comes from comes with hard work or smart work, I'm going to throw in there, and they are willing to work hard for their own chance at success. Yes, what is it? The harder I work, the more lucky I get. Is that the word? <laughs> or 10 years hard work yeah. and you're an overnight success, yeah. 
exactly. Exactly. I love celebrating other people's success. I love, uh, and I love seeing people successful. I and succeeding in what they do. I find it inspirational. I know when I went to the 100 Women of Influence and, um, you know, saw the the successes and the amazing things, and we're going to speak to one of um, these people that I had met, just a young 20-year-old, year old um uh, when we finally get her because she's so busy how does a 20 year old be busy like she is you know so she's all about you know social enterprise and um I was in awe I wasn't thinking that way when I was 20 and I was in awe and I want to spread her to the world and get other people realizing that you don't have to wait till you're 40 to be in social enterprise or to create a charity or whatever it is that you're doing you can actually do it at 16 even so i i love to tell about other people's success i think that that's really important that you spread the word because how else are people going to find out about it? Like I look at Dr. Kelly Brogan, who we talked about in the first um, part of this, and I've watched Kelly go from someone who is being interviewed by like Sean Croxton and, you know, not well known on the field of health to probably becoming one of the most well-known psychiatrists, well-known um, speakers, well-known thinkers, um, and I love watching her go from, from I had never heard of her to someone I hear about every single day these days. Everybody's talking about her. So I want to spread what she's saying. Um, like I said, I'm the one that thinks of this practically. You two are the two that go down the rabbit hole. So when you go down the rabbit hole, I'll look at the etymology of success. That's what I'll do. Well, I, I think, Cindy, that's one of the reasons why you probably are somebody who fits into this category of somebody that is mentally strong because you don't do that. I've, in, in my whole experience of you, I've never seen you compete. I've only ever seen you admire, hold up, um, support, you know, encourage. I've never seen you as, do anything other than that. Thank you, so it's no surprise. Thank yeah, well, it's no surprise. Yeah, it's cool. awesome. Yeah. So, are we? Do we want to say anything there? How do, how do we? How can we do this? How? Well, give us a give us a go to on what to do when someone. I mean, yes. I think it's natural human nature to, you know, when you you're working really hard or you're doing the things. I'm sure you know. There's times when you know, house envy sticks in or, oh, my gosh, look how successful they are or look what they've done. And I'm sure there's a part of us, uh, you know, I know myself that there's times where, and it's not that I'm sitting there feeling nasty or upset or wishing it was me. It's not that, but I'm just, I'm a bit like you two where I'm in awe of how they've done it. What have they done? Where, where have they gone with that? Oh, my gosh. And I know whenever anything is done well for me and someone congratulates me, it's the best feeling. So I want to make sure that I can give that gift to other people because you don't know their path or you don't know what it's taken for them to get there. And, you know, I met someone a couple of weeks ago who said to me, you know, I, I said to her, oh, you've just done so well. It's amazing to watch you. I really enjoyed hearing you speak. And, and she turned around, she shared something with me that she said nobody knows publicly. And she said, people just have no idea 
what it's taken for me to get here and to to drive this BMW and to live in the house that we live in. She said there was 10 years where we were on the bones of our butt and, you know, we got completely railroaded and but we just chose to pick ourselves up. And in a way that made me admire her even more um, and made me want to know more about her story because it's not so much the success that we're all driven by, I don't think, but it's the path in which people have taken to get there that intrigues me the most or inspires me the most because it looks easy on the outside sometimes to look in. But what, you know, I don't know about you two, but whenever I arrive at an event or even like Karen, your effortless self, I'm sure everyone would have arrived, they would have sat down and it would have felt effortless the whole thing, but they would not have seen the fact that you booked that date in January this year, the fact that you created all the content, the fact that you researched, the fact that you looked into everything possible in order to make sure that those people had a dynamic experience. And Cindy, your, your retreat next year, the Changing Habits Retreat, and I know my graduation it looks effortless it seems like that but the the amount of work that goes into the background or the amount of not even work intention or amazing commitment that goes into something to have it shine that's the the nugget that I look for that's the part that I want to know more about and and that's where I find I really I, I think we're all the same we love seeing other people do really really well it's such an amazing feeling yeah I think if I'm to be really honest, I don't do this anymore, but it definitely was something. I did the Landmark Forum back in 1998. Yeah. And I remember one of the things that we had to do was to have a really good look at ourselves and find out what it is that we do to others because part of the program was about being responsible for the impact that you have on the world. And um, one of the things that I realised I did was compete. And I never thought that I was a competitive person because in sport and physically, I was never competitive. I didn't, I didn't care enough about it. But I think um, I remember when I was a kid at school, if somebody was better at maths than me, I used to, it, it, it used to not make me uh, resent the other person, but it used to make me hate myself. So, as much as I would look at the other person and go, oh, far out, they've gotten a better grade than me, then I would go in to beat myself up that I'm not good enough, I'll never get there, it's never going to work for me, what a loser I am. So the feeling I would get inside would be like self-depreciating, like self-defeating. you know, defeating. And when I did that forum, it was very much as I got older, it that just got exaggerated that I would look at others and I would, compete with them I'd walk into a room and I would think okay so who's smarter than me who's taller than me who's prettier than me who's got more than me and then as much as that would give me something to aim for so it was kind of like there was this contrast in there there was the contrast of give me something to aim for because I would think well if they can do it then there's every chance that I'm going to be able to get there even Anthony Robbins and Oprah Winfrey, I'd look at them and I'd go, well, if she can do it, I can do it. That's the benchmark. No props. I can get there. So on the one hand, it was very inspiring, but on the other hand, it was also that sensation inside of myself of, of you know, yeah, but, you know, if I was supposed to get there, I would have. I'm such a peanut. It's never going to happen for me, blah, blah, blah. So I think that there's all kinds of different um, experiences of other people's advancements or expansion out there. 
that we and, and the way that we relate to it. And I think that that comes from our childhood. It comes from the way that we have been brought up or the way that we established our beliefs and meanings when we were kids. You know, were you competing? I remember when I was a kid, there were three of us and I used to have to compete for the food, not because we didn't have enough, but because my brother would just eat all the lollies and he would just eat all the chocolates and the chips and I wanted them. So I used to have to compete for food. And if I wasn't fast enough, strong enough or tall enough, then I never got any of the good stuff that I thought was good stuff. I never got any of it. My brother got all of it. So I used to try and ambush my mum when she got the groceries out of the car. I knew if I got her in the car, I'd be able to get some food out of the shopping packets and then go and hide it in my room. And I, it, it, it came from something as, as small as that, which then set up the competition mechanism where that meaning then came to me about competing for other people. So I think, or with other people, so I think everybody's got their own appreciation of what this particular point is for them in their own lives and it just takes acknowledgement and it takes awareness of what you're actually doing and then what that does to you because as much as you feel like it's resentment to the other person that resentment actually lives between your two ears the other person has no idea what you're doing or going through so in actual fact it's not about the other person it's all about you you're the one who's living with that emotional um roller coaster inside of yourself so you know, and, and an action step on that is to, first of all, become aware that you're the one who's doing it to yourself. Second of all, change the meaning because in any given moment we can change the meaning. So I would suggest change the meaning from I'm not good enough or, you know, I hate you to you are giving me something to aspire to. And what you said, Kimmy, give me your recipe. What's your recipe? Because if that's what you want, then that person has already walked the path ahead of you. Mm -hmm. So instead of looking at them with resentment or competition, look at them, look at them as a teacher. Look at them as somebody who can guide you, even if you don't like them. Still follow in their footsteps. And I think that's ultimately what I landed up doing with Tony Robbins. I built my business model based on his. Because I, you know, I, I knew he had what I wanted in some way. So I thought, well, rather than reinventing the wheel, let me go with what he's done. And I have to say, by doing that, just from a business point of view, by doing that, it's one of the main reasons why my business is still alive after 10 years. And in my line of work, there are very few people who do my line of work who sustain themselves beyond three years, very few. So I kind of I learned from the best and built a business around that and then put my own flavor on it. And, of course, I am where I am. But, you know, I think that that's, that, that's another option. I, I think they're great action sectors. Karen, I, I believe that rather than through envy or resentment is that you learn from that person and and that's what I love about autobiographies and biographies and going to conferences and emulating people and and what did they do and how did they do that and um, sometimes it's nice to um, have somebody else make all the, um, and I don't want to say mistakes because that means we're unpredicted pregnancy, um, <laughs> <laughs> whatever that was new life um you know i just i i actually think it's good to see what other people are doing let watch them on their journey uh and and see what they're doing but everybody's journey is different every like i look at 20 year olds who are doing things that i'm doing in my 50s 
And I, I often think back, why wasn't I doing that in my 20s? Well, that wasn't the state of the world back in when I was in my 20s. We were able to have a childhood, like a 20-year-oldhood, if you could say. So eras, world, um, the state of everything is always different. So you can never, number one, compare. Um, but number two, you know, emulate these people, learn from these people, ask them questions, take them out for lunch if they're someone in your community. I remember when um, Annette Sim, who um, started that cookbook series uh, back in the, she was back in the, I think it was 98 I did mine. She must have done hers in 96. And I, I thought, wow, she's doing what I want to do, you know. So I asked her if she'd go out for lunch. I didn't know who she was. And, you know, in those days I don't think people did things like that. And and we went out and had a cuppa and um, I just asked her, how did you do it? What did you do? And and then I just emulated her. I just emulated what she did. Not as far as how we think. Our thinking was very different, but she had written a book. So your action steps are brilliant. Kimmy, do you have any action steps for that one that you can think of? Oh, I think just what I said at the beginning. I, I'm really curious about how they did it. And I, I also love celebrating people. I really love congratulating someone and seeing their response. So to me, my action step is when you see someone doing better than you or anything, hug them up, eat them up, just tell them how amazing they are. Because when you when it happens to you one day and someone says the same to you, you're going to really appreciate those words. And, you know, look, at the end of the day, we're all doing remarkably. And I know Karen said this to me years ago when I was feeling very sorry for myself when we lost all our money in that in that institution that went bust. And she just turned around, she said, Kim, if it was, I don't know if you remember, Karen, but you were standing here in my lounge one day and you mm. just said, if it was meant to be different, darling, it would be. And it was like, oh shit um you're right um you know like if it was meant to be any other way it would be so suck it up princess and and what are you going to do now to move on no you didn't say no you didn't say that I said that to myself it was but you did say you know Kim if it was meant to be any other way it would be and that was a really big uh aha for me that day it was like you're right you're you're right I mean it's happened there's nothing else you can do now what are you going to do to learn from it and I tell you what as I've I've said to you both and I think I've said on the podcast before that when the day comes where I actually do get to buy my own home again and and actually put that deal and you girls come around and we have a champagne standing there or a kombucha either or I'm going to be so Mm -hmm. freaking excited and proud because you know you know what it's taking to get there and I just appreciate the journey that's all Mm -hmm. Sounds good. All right, let's go to the next one with another word that we probably need to have an etymology on, but 10, they don't give up after the first failure. They don't view failure as a reason to give up. Instead, they use failure as an opportunity to grow and improve. They are willing to keep trying until they get it right. So I want to give you the etymology of failure because I was just a little bit ahead of you guys. Nice. it was a theatre slang and um, it was a failure in performance, Ooh. a dismal flop. <laughs> That's what it was. Or can su- suffer a complete breakdown in performance, literally make a bottle. That's what it actually means, make what? a bottle. Mm. Yeah, it's weird. It's I tell you, it is. Well, the, meaning, just... the meanings that we then put on to things as time evolves, is, it's almost like... Um, What's that, sh- that show, um, Whispers, Chinese Whispers? It's almost like the further on it becomes, it becomes a completely different word altogether, doesn't it? 
Yeah, it actually does. I, I like, I find it, um, yeah, a failure in performance. So it had to do with the, well, maybe it's, I, I think it re, anyway, I think failures aren't failures. They're just learning experiences like my father always used to say to me. It's a learning experience. You've just learnt some, something. And I, and I guess if everybody says that these days, but it is. It's, all right, I've learnt how not to do it. Who was it that did the light bulb? He said, oh, now I know 999 ways that a light bulb won't work. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and I, I just think as we, as we go through, we go, well, what's working and what's not? But I think it's also very important is it's not just about giving up, but it's about monitoring um, how things are going. I re- always remember our, our beautiful coach, Kim, who's, who always tells me to test and measure. Is it working? How, how is it working? First of all, he would do a return on investment. All right, I want you to figure out if you do this, what will be your return on your investment, on your time, on how much money you put into it? Um, so I'm going into business here. And and then from there you could make a, an assessment as to whether you would continue to do what you wanted to do in, in say, business. Whereas um, it, it, then when you, you go into that, then you test and measure. Did that work? Did it give you the result that you were expecting because you did your ROI? So I I, I think um, it's, it's about learning experiences, doing it the right way um, or testing and measuring all the time in order to move on to the next one. But I do know people who try one thing for a day and if it doesn't work, they say, oh, it's just no, it's just not working, and it might be a change in diet. It might be um, giving up alcohol, giving up smoking, uh, and they they just say, "Oh, I failed because I ate the wrong food on the second day, or I did a cigarette." They don't give themselves the success of the first twenty four hours. They just focus on the failure of that second that they ate the wrong food, or they they smoked that cigarette, or they drank that alcohol. Um, I don't know if that makes sense, but I think we need to rather than. I reckon we should rewrite this book because it's in the negative mm. and and it's like they don't give up after first failure. It's they celebrate their wins because that's what it is. You celebrate your win, not your failure. So you celebrate that you've gone two weeks with eating the right foods and not eating a wrong food or two weeks without smoking and, and then you just you collapse for one second. It's just a second and then we pick ourselves up, pat ourselves on the back, we've done a great job, then we move on to, um, you know, that next day and just say, I'll just start again, that's fine. But a lot of people, what they do, and I'm going into the food here because that's what I always go back to, I default back to food. Um, If somebody's done a great job for two weeks and then, you know, they do a little bit of a, a mistake in what they eat, they then dwell on, oh, I'm miserable, I can't do this, this is too hard, and then they keep eating and eating and eating and eating and eating what they shouldn't be eating. Yeah, that's my take on that. I, I do think it's a, a rewrite of this whole book now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm loving the fact that you do. But, you know, I think the um, I think the next one, though, number 11, they don't fit alone time. I must admit for a while there, you know, when I was younger, I used to think being alone meant I was Nigel no friends and that I wasn't good enough or whatever. (laughs) 
So um, whereas now it's like, oh, my God, a weekend without kids, without anybody, without anyone ringing me, I don't have to speak. Oh, my God, it's like, oh, my gosh, let me loose. So I, I do agree with that, that strong people do enjoy alone time or perhaps that alone time is meditation, perhaps that alone time is a walk on the beach, that alone time is planting in their garden. Even cleaning the house can feel like nice alone time. So I personally think that alone time is something that I've grown as I've gotten older has become something that I really cherish and I certainly do not fear it. Yeah, I'm on, I'm with you on that one. Um, on changing habits, we uh, – no, don't worry. I thought we had written a proverb that had something to do with being alone, but it doesn't. Don't worry about it. I was just looking it up. I, I, um, I love being alone. <laughs> I really do. I think it's um, – it's beautiful to go for a walk or a swim um, or just be at home alone. I very rarely am I home alone. Um, and so I really, I savour that time and I love going up to the farm and, and being up there. Sometimes, though, it, it, you know, they talk about the fear of silence and sometimes silence I'll need music on um, or a podcast on. So. I'm, I don't know if I'm feared of silence or I just don't like my mind to go idle. I, anyone want to take a, a guess at what's happening there? You know, because alone time is not necessarily quiet time, is it? No, and, and that's it's kind of I think that's and, and I'm just sitting here thinking about all of this. Alone time is time where you spend with you. Whereas most people will have alone time and then be on their phone or be on the computer or uh -huh. even be reading a book or, um, you know, be having their mind run rampant with thoughts and fears and anticipations and anxieties and regrets and, you know, pasts and presents and futures and stuff. And that's just that that's very busy time. So even though the person's on their own, they're still not alone. So I think that that's a big distinction, isn't it? Like to be able to know that when I'm alone, I'm alone and I'm with me. Yes. And Julia Cameron, she's got a she wrote a fabulous book, um, and oh, gee, where's the name of it? It's escaped me. Kimmy, you know it. Um, yeah, yeah, I do. What's it's, um? What's it hang called? Hang on, you keep talking and I'll look it up for you. All right. Oh. You look bummer! It's I, and I talk about it all the time, and she talks about um, taking yourself on a date every week for two hours and nobody else is allowed to come but you have to do something or just be with yourself um, and she says one of the really great things that you can do is to think about the things that you loved doing when you were a kid and go take yourself way. on a two-hour date and ah, oh, the artist's way for goodness sake I can't believe I forgot that thank you beautiful mm. um yeah and she says take yourself on a date two hours every week and it's where you do stuff with yourself and by yourself. So I take myself roller skating or I take myself on a bike ride or I take myself, interestingly enough, to the toy shop. Because when I was a kid, I oh, used to just... Hilarious. I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my do you play with Barbie? Go roller skating? Yeah, I do. <laughs> oh, you're brilliant. <laughs> Well, the other thing I do when I've got, like when I'm by myself, really by myself and nobody else is around anywhere, I roll down hills. <laughs> is that? <laughs> oh, 
Oh, no. But I've just recently discovered body surfing. And oh. that whole body surfing makes me feel like a kid in a candy school and I can do it for hours and I'm absolutely wrecked by the end of it. But I think it is the most fun thing in the world. So if I get a chance to head out to the beach across the road here or go up to Noosa or even in Mooloolaba and go body surfing, I can do it for five hours, no problem at all. Oh my gosh, Karen, you're you're funny. That is, but you know that's really that's really cool. See, mine would be find a a beautiful little coffee shop, the beautiful long black, and do the crossword by myself. Ah, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we did crosswords on the plane. Remember, you showed me how to do those crosswords when we were flying to Peru. The crosswords, I it's just crosswords and Sudoku. They would be my. I like that, and I love. I must admit, swimming and I love walking, but I'm going to have to try the rolling down the hill, roller skating, and going to the toy shop. Even though I went to toy shops forever as an adult with my children, so mm, that might. <laughs> yeah, no, that may not. That may not necessarily flick your switch. I think she just. Yeah, she talks about just you know to give yourself ideas of things to do. Think back to your childhood and what you love doing. Yeah. All right. Well, we're running out of time again, but you know what? Let's let's move these last two ones and let's get this done, will we? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So they don't feel the world owes them anything. They don't feel entitled to things in life. They weren't born with mentality that others would take care of them or that the world must give them something. Instead, they look for opportunities based on their own merits. You know what? I think that um, speaks for itself. Uh, there are a lot of people on the planet that believe that the world owes them something. And I don't, I'm, I don't, um, I don't get that mentality at all, because it's about us making um, something for the world. It's about we owe the world, we owe the planet, we owe Mother Earth. We should nurture her. We should look after her. We should take responsibility. And that might be going in a completely different direction to what um, the author is saying, but that's. That's how I've always believed it. And I've always, I always believe that we need to um, make our own fun. Like do what Karen does. Roll down the grass, go to a toy shop and body surf for five hours. You know, that's that's making your own fun. <laughs> and, and the world does not owe you anything because you are having so much fun doing it. <laughs> you know, I was up in, um, in, in the Himalayan mountains and we had been hiking up through the hills and I was walking along next to this beautiful Indian man and I said to him does it sadden you um, to see so much poverty in your country and to see so many people struggling and all of that because and then I said because it astounds me that even some of the poorest people have I don't know if positive is the right word to use I said but it's like they there's an acceptance and he said oh yes we have a very strong belief that you know if you do the right thing and you do the best that you can with what you've been given in this life then the next time um, when you come back there could be an even greater and bigger better riches for you for when you come back and I just thought that was an interesting way of of not acting like the world owes you it's this is what it is what it is and give it the best that you've got and I guess it comes back to those four agreements 
you know, be impeccable with your word. Um, don't take things personally. Always ask questions and always give your best. And I just think, you know, ultimately, you know, no, nobody owes us a thing. If anything, you know, I remember sitting on the top of a hill meditating with my beautiful mother-in-law, Sandy, one day, and we'd finished and it was up in North Head in Auckland looking out at Rangitoto as the sun was rising. And as the sun was hitting us and we came out of the meditation, I just looked at Sandy and I said, oh, my gosh, look at that view. Look at it look at the sun and she said yes my darling take it in drink it in and then make sure you always offer it back and I just think it's a beautiful metaphor for everything that occurs in life just always remember to share the the joy in that as well give it back as much as you can learn from it or take from it Mm, how beautiful and when I was reading um these 13 things mentally strong people don't do we got to 13 and Kimmy goes well I've lost it (laughs) oh (laughs) they don't expect immediate results (laughs) I do when she read them to me I went yeah well I just failed because I like I like results now I I want it now I want it now (laughs) (laughs) so it says whether they are working on improving their health or getting a new business off the ground, mentally strong people don't expect immediate results, except for Kim Morrison. Instead, it does say that, instead they apply their skills and time to, to do to the best of their ability and understand the real change takes time. And while I'm reading that, I'm thinking, well, why can't we expect immediate results? Maybe we should rewrite number 13 for you, Kim. I'm serious. I mean, I get a result in every moment, whether you choose to go to the gym or not go to the gym. There's a result. There's, there's always a result. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I think everything is, is as immediate as you wish it to be. And I even think it's fair to say we were a bit deeper on each of these than maybe what Amy was intending. <laughs> <laughs> And we've had a lot of fun with them, that's for sure. I, I, oh, I, yeah. Absolutely. So interesting. And uh, I, and just reiterating number 13, and I think you hit the nail on the head, Kim, is that expect immediate results. Expect results because every little bit of change or something that you do will result in something. Mm. you know even the slightest change will result in something so expect let's let's change that they expect immediate results they they know that with everything that they do there will be a result which you know it's like cause and effect I guess that one is we're going to go for cause and result <laughs> love it oh, and I do think you're right there Karen that she's come from it uh, and why we loved the whole article so much is because it obviously yeah. spoke something to us and she mm. she was saying and making us think things it's only because of the way the three of us talk and and I just want people to know that when <laughs> you really are a fly on the wall this is this is a dinner conversation <laughs> for the three of us this is us sitting there at a cafe having a coffee after we finished the crossword like there, you are part of this is how we converse about different things so this is not just a podcast is it girls no no not at all funny how funny well I think so are we so we're done now then we've done the 13 we could make up a few more if you'd like to miss Karen (laughs) I think we possibly should and I think we should post that on our Facebook page what that we're going to make up more? I think we should make up some more. Okay. I think we could. 
Do you, know, do you know what I would add in there and my final thing is, is what strong-minded people do and what, what is, and this is my real big thing, is that if you're kind, if you show kindness, I think that's a really strong person through all adversity, through all challenges, through all matters of situation, thoughts, feelings, emotions, whatever it is, if we can show kindness in some way, I think that is a really strong person personally. Mm. Agreed. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yep. I'm sure our listeners have loved the last two weeks as we've gone down the rabbit hole on these points. I think they've been fabulous to explore it and Cindy's etymology. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, I think I'm going to do the same thing on every single word that has a negative connotation to it. Yeah, I reckon too. Mm. Yeah, it will be That's very amazing. interesting. Mm. Oh, it's fascinating. Mm. Oh, good oh. Well, I think then that brings us to the end of our podcast thing, people. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh, well, there you go. Well, what are we going to talk about next week? <laughs> I want to keep going. I know, I know. Well, for all of our listeners, no doubt you guys have enjoyed the podcast as much as we have. It's been absolutely fabulous to dive down the rabbit hole on so many amazing points. And hopefully you guys have got as much out of it as what we have. So go to our Facebook page at allthews.facebook.com forward slash up for a chat. Now, while you're there, what would be really, really cool would be for you guys to post your comments and questions. But also, if you've got any inquiries about joining Kim, Cindy and myself on our spectacular New Zealand trekking holiday or trekking through Africa in 2018, because right now we do still have a couple of spots available and I know that they're not going to last. So if you'd like to find out about joining us in New Zealand through the South Island and also checking trekking through Africa. Go to all the w's.awakenthechangewithin.com and you're going to find you'll have the ability to click on the link there to get a copy of our, uh, the itinerary for both of those trips as well as the pricing and the payment plans and you can even get yourself signed up right there and then. So go ahead and have a look at that, where we go through some of the most spectacular sites of New Zealand, and Kimmy has organised this one, and amazingly enough, it is filled with wineries. Let me just say that. But then there's also some amazing hiking through the mountains and through the spectacular scenery. So it does require that you are a little bit fit and you can do up to about 25Ks in one of the days that we're we're trekking. So make sure that you check it out and come and hang out with us as we get raw and real walking through the mountains of New Zealand. And then in 2018, we're going to be trekking through Africa with Cindy as our guide. And I can't wait to talk to you more about all of the spectacular experiences that we're going to be having there. Cindy's um, uh, arranged the most divine trip where we do have princess-style accommodation. Let me just say that. So we are going to be roughing it through the day, but we're going to be in the absolute gloriousness through the night. So go to the website, allthews.awakenthechangewithin.com and join us on either one of our trips or both of them. So we're going to see you here, same time, same station next week. Join us on Up for a Chat when you get to become part of the ripple effect that's changing the world. And we're going to see you on the ride. Bye for now, everybody. 
This has been a production of TheWellnessCouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on Facebook.com forward slash TheWellnessCouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.